Hey, welcome, uh, everybody. Uh, so good to uh, see you. I want you to know everybody's uh, welcome at uh, River Glen. Our doors swing wide open to uh, welcome uh, everybody, no matter where you are on your spiritual uh, journey. And uh, we have a vision to be one church in hundreds of uh, locations. And so welcome everybody here in uh, Waukesha. Welcome everybody in uh, Pewaukee on the other side of the camera. And uh, welcome all of you online. Maybe you're sitting in your living room. Maybe you're at your uh, kitchen table drinking some coffee. Maybe you're in your uh, dorm room. Hey, wherever you are, we're just uh, thrilled to have you uh, with us. Well, uh, this time of the year always uh, makes me think back in, in just a few days. On Tuesday, uh, River Glen turns 24 years old. So happy birthday, uh, River Glen. Yeah. And this year, the 24th year, has been the most challenging uh, for all of us out of all 24 of those years. And so I just want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for staying connected to us online, in person. And I want to thank all of our volunteers. We have so many volunteers that have served uh, faithfully and uh, even creatively. You know, you have helped us establish new health and safety protocols. You have made phone calls to care for people. Some of you have delivered meals to people. You have helped create uh, meaningful socially distanced experiences for students and uh, kids. Some of you have led online groups to help people stay connected. Thank you so much for your volunteering. And I want to thank all of you for your uh, financial support that has enabled us to stay on mission, making more and better followers of Jesus. We couldn't do this. We wouldn't uh, be here without you. Well, today we're uh, wrapping up Aftershock, Surviving an Economic Earthquake. And if you missed any of it, I hope you'll go back to our website and uh, watch those uh, services and share them uh, with others. We began a couple weeks ago talking about uh, preparation. And uh, we said to live on your budget, not on somebody else's, live on your budget. And we encourage everybody to honor God's economic cycle of sow, grow, and harvest. And we invited everybody to join an FPU uh, groups. Normally it takes, uh, it costs about $119 to take uh, FPU, but uh, we got you covered. Uh, River Glen made this agreement with our publisher and we took care of the fee so that everybody at River Glen can uh, take FPU at no fee, no cost for you. And many people are, are jumping in on it, including uh, Marnie and I. We're loving it, and uh, it's not too late. You don't, you don't want to miss this. You can go to our website. You can stop at the Connect Wall and uh, get signed up. The best way to survive an economic earthquake is to prepare for it, and uh, FPU will help you uh, do that. Last week, the title of the message was Transformation. God wants to transform our minds. Scripture challenges us to think differently, to think counterintuitively about money. And uh, we took that verse where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and we applied that to our uh, lives. And now uh, today, I want to conclude this series with a message on prioritization. What is the priority in your finances? Or to put it another way, what comes first? Because every time you get paid, every time you get some income, God gives you a test. Did this ever happen to you when you were in school? Or, um, you know, you walk into class and uh, you know, you're all uh, relaxed and you sit down and out of the blue, your teacher says, I hope you're ready. And you go, uh, ready for what? And the teacher says, ready for the test. 
And you go, uh, what test? And if that happened too many times, uh, that's probably why some of us didn't do very well in uh, school. I had that happen one time when I was in college. I got surprised by a biology exam and it didn't go very well, did not go very well. And I'm still upset about it. I would have graduated in the top uh, 10% of the lower third of my uh, graduating class, but that test uh, really brought me uh, down. You may not realize it, but every time you get paid, every time you get some income, God gives you a test. Because when it comes to money, I mean, there's really only five things that you can do with your money. You can spend it, and uh, we're pretty good at that one. You can pay uh, debt. Uh, we don't like to do that, but we sometimes do that. You can pay taxes. That's our duty to Uncle Sam. And then you can save uh, some of it. And if you have some, then you can give some to God or to others. But not only are those the five things that you can do with your money, for many people, uh, maybe some of us, that is the exact order of our financial priorities. Uh, we, we, we spend and then we pay debt on what we've already spent money on. We pay taxes so we don't go to jail. And then maybe we save some. And then we uh, give a little away to God and to others. And as a result, God, who's the owner of, of it all, who provides everything, he comes fifth in our financial priorities. Now, I say this in love because at one point or another, I think all of us have lived this way. And I don't think any of us, uh, I don't believe any of us would say, God, I intentionally and strategically put you last in my uh, finances. No, but if we got completely honest with ourselves about this area of our lives, oftentimes God does come uh, last. But I can tell you that all throughout Scripture, and I can tell you from my personal experience, it never works when we put God last because God cannot fully bless any area of our life where he's not first. And it's not because he needs uh, money. I mean, it's already his. God owns it all. It's because God wants our heart. God knows that our dollars and our heart are connected. That's why Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your, there your heart will be also. And until you put God first in your finances, until he becomes your first priority in your finances, he will never truly have first place in your heart. And that's why every time you get paid, every time you get some income, God gives you a test. Who are you going to put first? Who are you going to thank? Some people thank Visa first or Target first or the mortgage company first or Amazon first. But here's what you have to ask yourself. Can Visa bless my finances? Can Target bless my finances? Can Amazon bless my finances. I mean, Amazon Prime is a great blessing during a pandemic. Isn't that a, a great thing? But Amazon, even Amazon can't bless your finances. The only person that can bless your financial world is God. And so God gave us a very simple principle for making sure that he stays first in our finances. And it's called the principle of the tithe. Tithing is simply bringing back to God the first 10% of your income. And I realize, and I, I really do, I realize that for many people, uh, this is a big step of faith. Tithing requires a big step of faith. So I want to try and illuminate three biblical principles that I think will not only be helpful, but I think can be transformational 
in, in your life. Now, remember, I said every time you get some income, God gives you a test. Well, here's what's interesting. Principle number one, tithing is the only place in Scripture where we are invited to test God. We can put God to the, to the test. Now, I've heard people uh, reference any percentage of giving as a tithe. But a tithe is not 2%, it's not 4%, it's not 6%. Tithing is a specific mathematical term that means 10%. For, for instance, if your paycheck is $2,000, a tithe would be $200. Look at what God says about this in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole tithe, that would be 10%. That there may be food in my, in my house. And then God says, look at this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That, that verse blows me away. I mean, Scripture tells us not to test God except for this one area, the area of uh, tithing. And so let's do a little bit of math, all right? Let's say that you make uh, $5,000 a month. Scripture says $4,500 with God is greater than $5,000 on your own. Now, try to explain that equation to your math teacher. I mean, God knows it doesn't make mathematical sense. And that's why God says, test me in this. Try it out. The God of the universe says, I challenge you. I dare you to try tithing. Do you trust me? It's interesting. If you study uh, the number 10 in Scripture, you find that it represents testing. Throughout Scripture, the number 10 represents uh, testing. I've got a series of questions. I want you to help me out. Uh, I'm going to ask you these questions and answer, answer out loud. Okay, how many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. Yeah, God tested Pharaoh. How many commandments are there? Ten. God gave ten commandments to test our obedience. How many times did God test Israel? This one's a little tougher. Ten. The answer is ten. That's, that's correct. How many days was Daniel tested in the first chapter of uh, Daniel? Ten. Yeah. And of course, Jesus had how many disciples? No. Twelve. I was just checking to see if you're, if you're listening. That one's actually uh, 12, not 10. But all throughout Scripture, it associates the number 10 with testing. God uses tithing as a test to strengthen our faith. Some of us want to test God and, and wait until we have more. That, that's not the point. Okay, the point is, do you have enough faith to test him right now? With, with how little or how much that you have. And here's a second principle you need to know about the tithe. You can't, you can't give God a tithe. Uh, you can only bring it. God says everything that we have comes from him, but the first 10% belongs to him. In fact, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says, a tithe of everything, here's the word, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The first 10% already belongs to God. It's set apart for him. Now, maybe you've never noticed this before, but in Scripture, it never uses the word give in reference to the tithe. It uses the word bring. For example, Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe to God through the storehouse. Now, if you keep something that belongs to somebody else, what, what do we call that? We call that stolen, right? And that's why in Scripture, it, it says withholding the tithe is like robbing from God. 
Now, I know that strong language. I used to think that the Bible uses strong language like that to make us feel guilty, but I don't think so. I think the reason Scripture uses strong language is to help us understand how God views this and to motivate us to put God first so that he can fully bless our our lives. Now, if you're not a a follower of Jesus, man, we're glad uh, that you're here. We're thrilled that you're here, but this, this really doesn't apply to your life. This doesn't apply to your life today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, can I ask, what's holding you back from putting God first in this area? I know some people will argue against tithing because they say, well, that's just a part of the Old Testament law and we live under grace. And if you've ever thought that, please hear my heart on this. You can even investigate this on your own uh, biblically. But the first mention of the tithe in Scripture, it actually occurs 500 years before God gave the the law. It, It was a principle for putting God first before the law, and then it was confirmed under the law, and then Jesus came. And so I want to ask you a question. If Jesus asked you to tithe, if Jesus instructed you to tithe, would you do it? Would you do it? I hope that you would. Well, Jesus did confirm the tithe in two places in the New Testament, in Matthew and in Luke. For instance, in Luke eleven forty-two, 42, Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Look at this next part. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. He's saying, he's saying of course you should. You should tithe. But just because you do, don't act all high and mighty about it. Tithing is, is, is just a starting point. It's not the stopping point. Now, I don't know if this will be helpful to you, but here's how Marnie, Marnie and I practice it. We have, we have found that we prioritize what we automate. You know, if we automate it, it just happens. And we've done this in other areas of our finances many years ago. Way back in 1990, the church that I served in Kentucky made available a 401k plan for staff and uh, where, where you can choose to have a portion of your income deducted from your paycheck and it's automatically invested and saved tax-free. And I remember thinking, that's great. I'll never see it. I'll never get my greedy little hands on it. It'll, it'll just automatically get deposited before I before I see it, before I get it. And so for the last 30 years, I've contributed every paycheck and I've never missed that money because it's automated. And many of you do this too. We automate what's important to us, our priorities. And Marnie and I have done the same thing when it comes to tithing. We've set it up electronically and uh, automatically. We get paid twice a month. And so we have that electronically sent to River Glen Church. We tithe to God through River Glen Church twice a month. And so we put God first before we ever see it, before we feel tempted to make something else a priority. It's automated. But now I want to take you all the way back to a scripture, I don't think I've ever taught on this scripture before, to a scripture uh, way back in Genesis chapter four, where I believe we find the first mention of tithing. And it happens 2,500 years before God gave uh, the law. It's a story of Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve had uh, two sons, Cain and Abel, both Cain and Abel brought gifts to God, and God accepted Abel's gift, but not Cain's gift. 
And here's an important question that I want to ask. Why do you think God accepted Abel's gift but not Cain's gift? Which, if you know the story, it leads to the first murder in history. Now, if you understand tithing, you're probably going to see this right away when we read uh, the story. But uh, first, let's remember this principle. Here's principle number three. Tithing is bringing God my first and my uh, Best And uh, here's what I mean uh, by that. I've got uh, 10, uh, $10 bills uh, here. I've got 100, there's $100 total here, okay? 10 $10 bills. Now, I mean, how much would a tithe be? What would a tithe be? Yeah, very good, very good. You, you, you're good. You know, that, you know that a tithe would be $10, right? But here's the, here's the other question. Which one of these bills, which one of these $10 bills would be the tithe? Yeah. Yeah, the first one that I spend. But here's our temptation when we get uh, paid. We'd like to make sure that, you know, I got enough money to, you know, pay the bills and enough money to uh, eat. And then maybe we want to save some. And then at the end of the month, if there's anything left, it's like, well, I'll give God, I'll give God a portion of it if I have enough. But follow me on this. That's not tithing. Tithing is not just the amount that I give, but the order in which I give. God wants us to trust him first before we know what, what, what's left. Now, knowing that, let's, let's look at the story of Cain and his brother Abel. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in, in verse uh, 2. Now, Abel kept flocks, and uh, Cain worked the soil. All that means is that Abel was a, a rancher who raised animals. Uh, Cain was a farmer. He raised crops. And then it says, uh, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the uh, uh, Lord. And so here's what Cain did when it came time to harvest. He knows that he's supposed to bring God his first and his best. But look at what he does. He, he brings some, some, and he brings it in the course of time. In other words, he brings some when he feels like it. And then it says, Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, here, here's what Abel did. This is really important. This is really significant. When you work as a rancher and you raise animals and your animals give birth, you never know how many you're going to get. You never know how many are going to survive. And so it takes faith to give the firstborn to, to God. I mean, what if the others, you know, die? Your family goes hungry, hungry for winter. See, Abel trusted God with the first and the best from his uh, flock. Then the passage continues. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? Because Abel brought the first and the best and Cain brought leftovers. And, you know, we don't, we don't know this, but it's possible that Cain's gift was a larger amount than Abel's. But the Lord rejected it, and he did not look with favor on it because what Cain brought was not his first and his best. Now, I understand how this works because 
You know, whenever we have a company uh, come over to our house uh, for dinner, you remember back in the day when we used to have people over to our houses, you know, for dinner, maybe for Thanksgiving or Christmas or just a, a social gathering, you have some friends or family over uh, for uh, dinner. Marnie would make a, a great meal and our guests would say what a good meal it is. And then the following night, our family would, would sit down around the table and we would eat the Leftovers, right. But I don't ever remember one time in the history of our family where we said, we're having company tomorrow night, and so we're going to have a gourmet meal tonight. We're going to eat the first and the best tonight, and then tomorrow when our guests are here, we're going to serve them the leftovers. That has never happened in the history of our house, and I bet that's never happened in the history of your house <laughs> either. So I can understand how God feels when instead of, of uh, putting him first like Abel, we give him the leftovers uh, like Cain. But God is first and God is best. And that's never going to change. And that's why we honor and please God by giving him our first and uh, our best. Now, if you're feeling kind of irritated with me or even angry with me because I'm uh, talking about money, I want you to remember something. Remember that we have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to keep you from experiencing God's best in your life. And look at the rest of this story. Look at, look at what it says here, starting in verse 5. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? The word accepted means lifted up. It means blessed. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. See, God's challenging Cain. God wants to bless Cain. And I believe God's challenging some of us today. He's asking, would you step up and put me first? And I know, I know for some of us, it's a big step of faith to put God first in this area of, of, of your life. But here's the bottom line. If you're going to remember one thing, here's the takeaway uh, for today. When you bring God your first and best, he promises to bless the rest. And again, this is the only place in scripture where it invites us, it invites us to put God to the test. And I can tell you from personal experience that Marnie and I have put God uh, to the test in this area all throughout our marriage and God has proven himself faithful every single time. I mentioned last week that when we got married, we started bringing a tithe to God and and we have increased above and beyond. About four years ago, we made our largest financial commitment that we have ever made as part of a generosity initiative that we did together as a church. And it stretched us. I can't say it was easy. We felt nervous about it. We had two kids in college. We reduced our spending. We decided to move to a more affordable house. But I can tell you, God came through and kept his promise. And we are so glad that we stepped out in faith and trusted God. It strengthened our faith as a couple. It brought us joy. And it has been so rewarding for us to see God use uh, our generosity to advance his work and to change more lives. And Marnie and I talk about this all the time. God's provided a house that's become our favorite place that we have ever lived. God is faithful to keep his promise. But I don't want you to just hear from me. I want you to hear from another couple in our church that have put God 
to the test. Take a look. I'm Kyle Bartz. I'm Julie Bartz. And we've been coming to River Glen for, I guess, a, a little over a year now. Four years ago at this point, we kind of stepped out in faith and, and sold everything that we had or tried to sell everything we had uh, living in Maryland and went to work for Chick-fil-A corporate uh, and, and traveled all around the country uh, for about two and a half years. Living in hotels. Living out of hotels with two kids. And so we, we did that with the hopes of getting our own restaurant and we're lucky enough to get selected for a restaurant here um, in the, the Pewaukee area. And, um, and so we, after we came off the road, we planted here and, and opened the restaurant and- Opened Chick-fil-A Pewaukee. Uh, opened Chick yeah, and have been open for about two years now. And what, what led us to committing to tithing, um, you know, we, we had really just moved up here to start the business. We're, we're just really struggling financially. Um, we, we accumulated a ton of debt trying to start the business and um, just living on the road for so many years. Um, we just had a bunch of debt, but we, we were convicted that you know we weren't tithing and and for me um, we were talking about um, you know mark 12 uh, the story that always resonates with me is you know the the poor widow that gave her two coins and gave everything and and so if we're in that similar space like we need to be doing something too and when we were talking through this about you know this has always been a commitment in the past and just because like we're in financial stress right now like it still needs to be a commitment today um, because God invites us to test him it's the only time in scripture he invites us to test him is in this and you know we've stepped out in faith to pursue this dream um, of opening this business and so we need to step out in faith with all parts of our life you know and including financially we started tithing and it was probably the worst month financially we had ever experienced. We Credit cards maxed out. We had 50 cents left in our bank account um, and, and it was just terrifying. Um, but, but God came through in a big way. Yeah, we were waiting, we were strapped, we committed to this and then the next month we were, the business was profitable. We were waiting for, you know, to be profitable and the very next month it was profitable. We were able to immediately start kind of digging out of our debt and, and start um, you know being able to save up a little bit. It's been amazing for us to find River Glen. Um, we've been so blessed to have this church especially going into the year with the pandemic and um, just to see like the church has been able to produce for so many people and, and really just God coming through in so many different situations. It's amazing to watch and, and, and see kind of real life benefits of us trusting God and, and truly committing to it's, it's His anyway. And, and why, why do I need to hold on to it um, and be fearful of letting it go when it's 
it's his anyway. Yeah, let's give Kyle and, and Julie a hand. Had a great story. I appreciate them uh, sharing their story. And I appreciate them stepping out in faith. And I wonder, I wonder if it's time for some of us to step out in faith and really uh, trust God in this area of life. God invites you to step out and, and test him. And listen, he can be trusted, but you're never going to know until you step out in faith and put him to the test. Now, I've said this before, but I want to say this uh, to again, you know, say this again. If somebody thinks that this is like, you know, a scam where River Glen is, is trying to get our, your, your money and, and, and you don't trust our, our motives, I, want to, I would encourage you to send your tithe to another church. I mean, there are some great churches. There are many great churches that are doing uh, God's work. If you have an issue with, with, with River Glen, send it. Send your tithe to another church. That's how much that I want this for you. This is really between you and, and God. And some of you have, have yet to experience a life where you fully trust God in this area. You've heard sermons on this. You've read scripture on it. You've heard people share their story, uh, some of you maybe for years. But there comes a moment where you have to take a step of faith toward what you fear and say, God, I will trust you. God, I will put you to the test. God, I will return to you a tithe of what you have entrusted uh, to me. And I'm going to return it to you with a heart of gratitude to worship and honor you. And if you struggle with tithing, or maybe you give, but if, if you're honest, it's not uh, 10%, I would just challenge you to test God. Test God and try tithing for the next three months. Try tithing from now until Memorial Day weekend. Maybe even automate it if that's helpful uh, to you. And after three months, if you have not seen God's faithfulness, or if you just feel like, you know, this is a mistake, uh, for me uh, to uh, do this, uh, you can contact our bookkeeper uh, directly and she'll return all your giving uh, from the last three months as long as it's recorded uh, giving. Uh, she will do that uh, for, for you. No questions asked. And for those of you who already uh, tithe, here's my challenge. Remember, the tithe is a starting point. It's not the stopping point. And I would challenge you to trust God above and beyond. Marnie and I can tell you that we have experienced God moving the greatest in our lives when we have, have done this. Now, I'm not saying that we give to get. I mean, we give out of gratitude to a God who has given everything to us, including his son. We give out of gratitude, but God is so good that he promises to bless us. And when God finds someone, finds someone that wants to give to what he cares about the most. Hold on, because the floodgates of heaven just might open up. Would you bow your head with me for a moment right now where, where you're at, wherever you're at? And let me ask you, what is God saying to you today? Where's he nudging you? Where do you need to trust him and to show him that he's first? Put him first, and he will bless the rest. Let me pray for us. God, I, I thank you for proving your faithfulness in my life and our marriage over and over again, you're such a good and gracious God. I thank you for the way that you have literally opened the floodgates from heaven and blessed in ways we couldn't have imagined when we were fearful of taking steps of faith and trust in you. 
And I pray now for my brothers and sisters in the River Glen family. I pray, God, that the same God they trust each day for answered prayer, the same God that they trust for forgiveness, the same God that they trust to get through a pandemic, the same God that they're trusting their eternity to forever and ever and ever, that they will trust you in this area also. God, receive our, our worship and our gratitude to you for your goodness. And we lift our prayers now with gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.